Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. There is very adult content ahead and you have been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and joining us will be my dear friend and fabulous co-host, Brody Faye, although not for this episode because he has the crud again and his voice is not working. But for future episodes, together, we will be bringing you stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. On today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be jumping into an unexplained and unsolved murder. Today, we're going to be looking at the death of a man who served under three U.S. presidents and had an illustrious career in politics. Yet, When we dive in, you'll see the truly bizarre circumstances around this poor man's passing. Now, normally we have a drinking game, and to be perfectly honest, I didn't really come up with one for this one. So, every time I say unsolved, that'll be a shot, and you can pick whichever alcohol you feel you want to drink this time. Um, And for a double shot, anytime I do a Scooby-Doo moment or act really stupid, oh wait, that'll be all the time, never mind, we'll do Scooby-Doo moments. (laughs) So if I say zoinks or chinkies, then it's a double shot. Alright, so let's jump into it. Now, there have been many deaths which have rocketed into the stratosphere of strangeness and unsolved mysteries. These are the people who have left corpses behind, but few answers to how or why they met their demise. Indeed, upon leaving behind puzzling clues that only seem to deepen the enigma of their death. One such death was that of a highly regarded eminent figure of government in the United States, whose bizarre and sudden death has left in its wake a swirling quagmire of baffling clues, odd evidence, and creepy inexplicable security footage, none of which have led to any solution to the persistent conundrum. It's an unsolved crime that has gone on to be hotly debated and discussed to this very day, and with which we are left scratching our heads as to what happened. By all accounts, John Wheeler III was an incredibly well-respected member of the U.S. government. He graduated from West Point, Harvard, and Yale, and had an impressive resume to say the very least. Throughout his career, he served as a decorated Army officer, a Washington consultant in many capacities, a lawyer, a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, a special assistant to the Secretary of the Air Force, as well as serving in the office of the Secretary of Defense as a presidential aide throughout the terms of three separate presidential administrations, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush, as well as the outspoken CEO of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and also holding the title of Special Assistant to the Acting Secretary of the Air Force for Installations, Logistics, and Environment, and most recently as a military consultant for the defense contractor, the MITRE Corporation, which deals primarily in cyber defense. 
Some of his great accomplishments, including getting the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall built and penning an in-depth manual on the effects of biological and chemical weapons, which he was against and strongly proposed, be pursued with the utmost restraint. Despite this powerful clout within Washington and the respect and admiration he garnered from his colleagues and peers, practically a national hero of sorts, there seems to have been a dark shadow following him. On December 31st of 2010, Wheeler was found dead, his body being dumped from a garbage truck at the Cherry Island landfill. He was 66 years old. It was a shocking discovery that took the media by storm at the time, and it was immediately intensely investigated as to how this well-respected figure had ended up sprawled out in a garbage dump. The investigation would go on to paint a very odd, ominous, and unsettling picture of the days leading up to his death. It was found that Wheeler had displayed some rather uncharacteristically bizarre behavior in the days leading up to the discovery of his body. Wheeler's neighbor claimed that during the week before his death, a television had been turned up to full volume at at his residence at all hours of the day, even when it seemed that nobody was even home, and that Wheeler himself was practically never even seen during this time. On December 28th, Wheeler was seen getting off an Amtrak train and looking decidedly spaced out and unhinged. Then, the following day, Wheeler was spotted wandering around the parking garage of the New Castle County Courthouse, looking disoriented and wearing a black suit with no tie and only one shoe. His face was described as looking flushed, and his movements seemed to be erratic and purposeless, as if he were drunk or drugged. And by the way, just so you know, I'll be posting footage at inside the um, description so that you can go and watch the YouTube video yourself. It's bizarre. When he approached the parking attendant, Wheeler gave the bizarre excuse that he was warming up before paying his fee and leaving the garage, which was odd considering his car wasn't even parked there, but rather at the train station several blocks away, where it would be found abandoned, gathering dust even after his death. The derailed Wheeler also claimed that his briefcase had been stolen, and he was very clear in insisting that he was not drunk. Perhaps, he thought, it seemed that he was coming across that way. On that same day, he allegedly wandered into a nearby pharmacy and asked for a ride, only to disappear when the pharmacist offered to call him a cab. Wheeler was seen again on the 30th in a similar perturbed and zombie-like state, this time at 10th and Orange Streets in Wilmington, Delaware, where he aimlessly walked about several office buildings, including that of the Mitre Corporation. In this case, he was again reported as looking confused and dazed, allegedly refusing help from passerbys, and this would be the last known sighting of him alive. CCTV footage from the parking garage before his death that was later uncovered underscored this striking bizarre behavior. And of course, like I said, there will be a link to the footage in the description so that you can see it for yourself. But in one piece of footage, Wheeler can be seen stumbling about and apparently talking to the attendant, the whole time acting very indecisively, as if he's not sure where he wants to go. He seems quite upset, jumpy, and disheveled, and is wearing only one shoe while holding the other, which appears to be ripped up for some reason, in his hand. 
as he staggers, sways, and stumbles about. At one point, he even reaches out to steady himself against a wall, and it seems as though he's perhaps under the influence of something. In fact, when I watched it, I thought, is he drunk? Because he kind of seemed like he was. At the end of the video, he is about to take an exit door, but then suddenly whirls around to come back inside, at one point waving his arms up in the air and gesticulating for unknown reasons, and then taking an elevator instead. This is the last known footage of Wheeler alive, and it is so outlandish that it only makes things more mysterious rather than offering any real insight into what happened. As to the death, the death itself, authorities almost immediately labeled it as a murder, saying later that he had died from blunt trauma to the back of the head. But the possible scene of the crime could not be located, and there was some confusion as to what had actually caused the fatal injury. All that could be ascertained for sure was that the truck that had dumped the body at the landfill had come from Newark, leading investigators to speculate that whoever had killed him had dumped his body there, after which it had made the journey to its final resting place at the Cherry Island landfill. There have been several theories as to what happened to Wheeler. One revolves around a dispute he had been embroiled in with one of his neighbors. A lawsuit, in fact, had been filed by Wheeler against his neighbor, Frank Marini, seemingly for the purpose of blocking his plans to build a building near his property that would obstruct his view, and making this all more ominous was that he was suspected of having perhaps even attempted arson against Marini. These neighbors reported that on December 28th, someone had tossed some smoke bombs into their home, which had burned the floor, and all there was no evidence as to who had thrown them, they strongly suspected that it had been Wheeler. There is also the spooky fact that shortly before his death, one of the buildings he was seen staggering around was the law firm handling the case. The idea here is that these neighbors took things a little bit too far in the feud and maybe had him killed but there's very little evidence to support it, so we're still baffled. Then there's the theory that Wheeler had gotten in a little too deep in some government conspiracy and had been silenced. Supporting this is the fact that he had been working for the MITRE Corporation at the time and had allegedly, just before his death, become absolutely obsessed with cyber warfare, which he had come to believe the United States was woefully unprepared for. That he should come to this alarming conclusion at just around the time of his death has raised serious red flags and suggested that he had perhaps dug a little too far within the corporation and seen something that he wasn't supposed to. He is also believed to have been specifically working on detecting cyber intrusions and criminal activity on the nation's secured networks, meaning that he could have discovered something he was not meant to find that could have gone all the way to the upper echelons of the government, and thus posed the necessity for him to be taken out of the equation. However, again, as intriguing as dark government cover-ups are, there is, a, there is little solid evidence to back up this avenue of inquiry. Although, I'm with you guys, I think it's a government conspiracy. Soiks! On top of the mystery of who may have wanted to kill him are conspiracies that point to the true nature of what happened being covered up as well. First is the fact that authorities were very uncooperative and non-forthcoming about their investigation, dragging their feet with releasing new details and acting very hesitant to release even major things like the cause of death. One neighbor of Wheeler's who was interviewed by the media after the death also claimed that she had been asked not to comment. Just, just what does that mean, asked? 
Asked by who? I mean, seriously. It's unclear just what was meant by this, but it has certainly been seen as rather suspicious. I find it suspicious. Also suspicious is the claim that although Wheeler's home was declared not to be a crime scene, law enforcement allegedly did put up yellow police tape there and went about prying up floorboards. Just what the hell were they looking for? Was it some sort of classified material that maybe he was harboring? No one seems to know, and if they do know, well, they're not saying anything. Adding to all this intrigue is just what was going on with Wheeler in those days just before his death. Why was he staggering about town as if he was drunk or high with only one shoe and making strange claims to parking lot attendants, and in general acting like a freak? Just what is the meaning behind his bizarre actions on that last security footage of him? Was he drugged or suffering from some sort of mental breakdown? And if so, what connection does it have with his death, if any? No one seems to know, and the sad part is, is we probably never will. Criminologist Casey Jordan of Western Connecticut State University has said of the odd behavior and lack of details on the case in general, and I quote, What's confusing is that, usually, you know someone was killed because you have something like a gunshot wound, stabbing wound, bludgeoning, something that clearly could not have been self-induced, but no details like that have been released. And the fact of the matter is that when we see this footage, we see perhaps he was suffering from an organic brain problem. Even his neighbors say they'd never seen him like this. Was he poisoned? Did he have a brain tumor? Did he suffer from brain cancer and nobody even knew about it? Something. There's a disconnect between him being in the dumpster and that behavior we see in the hours before he disappeared. There are possibly 10 dumpsters he came from that ended up in that dump truck, so we don't even have a crime scene yet. It is entirely possible he crawled into the dumpster himself in his demented state. We may never know the truth about what happened to John Wheeler. End quote. Indeed, we may never know what happened here, and the questions spin and whirl about the case without any forthcoming answers. What was the meaning behind the odd mannerism and behavior leading up to his death? Why was his television left blaring nonstop? How did he die? Was it murder? And if so, who wanted him dead and for what reasons? Was this some sort of hit and were authorities covering it up in any way? Was it his neighbors? Why were the floorboards of his house searched and who told the neighbor not to comment on anything? Why are authorities so tight-lipped about everything? Is there some sort of cover-up going on? Just what in the world is going on with this case? The answers to such questions seem to be utterly mired in mystery, no closer to being solved than when they were with the discovery of Wheeler's body in that garbage dump. Someone surely knows what happened, but whoever that is, they are simply just not talking. So we're going to take a little break here and let you check out that footage. And when we return, we have the released FBI files on John Wheeler. Maybe they will shed some light on what happened to this poor man. So don't forget to join us after the break. Welcome back, heathens. So glad that you came back to join us. As we stated before the break, we have the actual FBI file that was released in February of 2018, nearly a decade after Wheeler's body had been discovered on Cherry Island Landfill in Delaware. Now, the circumstances regarding Wheeler's death were surreal and disturbing, to say the very least. 
In the days and hours before his body was discovered, he had been traveling on business. Witnesses reported that he wasn't feeling well and that he seemed to be in a very confused state and not acting normal. In a late-night surveillance camera snapshot, Willer could be seen talking to a parking lot attendant after wandering aimlessly around the parking lot, carrying his damaged shoe in his hand. The question now is whether the FBI files contained any additional clues that could possibly lead to the murderer or murderers. Now, if you're suspecting that the FBI files reveal the results of a massive federal investigation into the murder of a U.S. government official, well, this is America. Think again. The FBI appears to have given up on their duties in the case of the Wheeler murder. Instead, the released FBI files detail the controversy from 1983 to 84 when Washington, D.C. Channel 9 reporter Carlton Sherwood accused the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund of mismanaging funds. He even reported Wheeler as the founder of the fund to the FBI as a core part of the scheme. The March 2, 1984 report stated, Sherwood stated that he believed that a possible fraud scheme involving raising money for the VVMF chartered in the District of Columbia had been uncovered by Sherwood, who had been doing investigative reporting. Sherwood then stated that he had done a considerable amount of investigation regarding the VVMF, and that his investigation revealed that the VVMF had not accurately reported the money it had raised and had fraudulently spent or given money contrary to its charter. Sherwood further stated John P. Wheeler III, currently the general counsel to the Security Exchange Commission in Washington, D.C., was a founder of and integrally involved with the VVMF in this scheme. Now, those are pretty damning accusations. Interestingly enough, the rest of the 106-page Wheeler FBI file is a repeat of that same information. News reports revealing that Wheeler had reported Sherwood for illegally recording a conversation, and a final report from the GAO clearing the VVMF of any wrongdoing. Now, not long after this huge fiasco, Sherwood left Channel 9 News as a reporter. Any connections to Wheeler's death, maybe? Well, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to correlate any of the information in the released FBI files to Wheeler's death. The only scenario that might make sense is that Wheeler and Sherwood developed a lifelong grudge against one another for the wrongs that were inflicted, and one eventually managed to get the other one killed. I don't believe it. I don't see it, but whatever. However, Sherwood and Wheeler were both well-decorated war veterans. In fact, Sherwood was a recipient of the Pulitzer Prize and the George Foster Peabody Award for his work in journalism, so he was a pretty smart cookie, guys. He's not an idiot. These are not individuals likely to arrange the murder of anybody. So we are once again left with the dead end as to actually who actually killed John Wheeler back in 2011. But there is one intriguing, lingering clue that did come from the file's release. It did appear that in his last days, both Wheeler and Sherwood were interested in the same life pursuit, fighting domestic terrorism. A New York Times article covering Sherwood's death in 2014 covers all of the journalistic accolades that the man received over the years. However, a very intriguing note at the very end of the article, it's just a really small snippet, reads, One of his last jobs was as Executive Vice President and Director of Communications of the WVC3 Group, an anti-terrorism security firm based in Reston, Virginia. 
Now, I find it fascinating that a lifelong journalist would end his career in the field of anti-terrorism. But what's even more compelling is the small clue we reported on that was reported on in 2011, immediately after Wheeler's death. A longtime friend by the name of Richard Radez told news reporters that in his recent exchanges with Wheeler, Radez had received a very recent email from John, quote, expressing concern that the nation wasn't sufficiently prepared for cyber warfare, close quote. Radez also stated that this was something that had preoccupied him over the last couple of years. During those years, Wheeler had been consulting with MITRE. Had two lifelong enemies become colleagues in the war against terrorism? Possible? Or were the two in the middle of a lifelong battle against one another, even competing in this new field as well? I don't buy it. I think they came together. Or is there no connection between these two men and Wheeler's death at all? That's definitely possible. One thing is for certain, Wheeler's murderer or murderers remain far from the jail cell that they belong in, and the feds seem far from interested in seeking any justice. Instead, they keep releasing ancient history and doing nothing at all to bring the murderer or murderers to justice. And I feel for Mr. Wheeler's family. May he rest in peace. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode. And we thank you for joining us again today. We hope that you'll take some time to reach out to us and share your thoughts on what you think happened. You can reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any suggestions for future shows or you just want to tell us what you think, drop us a line. And on that note, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time. Keep it spooky. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.